Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. I'm Brian Hefty. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio. If you'd like to call into the show on this Farmer Friday, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us radio at agphd.com or send us a note on Twitter, AgPhD Media. Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Hopefully Darren will be joining me later on in the show today. He's out uh, doing a little bit of traveling today. But on this Farmer Friday, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a minute. But before we do, I I just want to tell you, we've got one month of this calendar year left. And hopefully it's been a great one for you. But we've been getting a lot of questions right now about prepay and what should we be doing as we plan for next year. What are expenses looking like and all that kind of thing. So hopefully you've been checking out what some of the costs are going into next year. But like for us, we farm primarily corn and soybeans. Corn corn prices are way up. Soybean prices are fairly flat. Uh, Ag chemical prices are fairly flat from last year. Yes, there are some things that are up, but there are also things like Liberty, Glyphosinate, Roundup that are down. So it all depends on what kind of your product mix is. And then fertilizer, that too depends a little bit on what you're looking for, but at least the costs aren't as bad as what they were last year, at least in our area, that's kind of what we're looking at. So anyway, probably the biggest question is a lot of people are wondering, well, what do I do to improve my situation, improve my yields, improve my soil, improve my bottom line. And that's kind of the stuff we talk about here every day on the show. And I know we get some questions coming up on that, specific questions coming up on that just in just a little bit. So let's get to it in the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right. This first one comes from Doug. He says, we've been injecting sow manure for the last 15 years and Brian asked me to do a stratification test. All right. Uh, So anyway, he has sent us the test results. He says, I'm the landowner, not the farmer, but nutrient management is my contribution to the enterprise. The farm is 450 acres pattern tiled in West Central Illinois. I bought the worst farm in the county and have steadily made improvements. We last sampled the farm on two and a half acre grids, Two years ago, we overseed with a high boy, radishes and turnips every August and standing corn. Tillage is minimal to eliminate injection tracks and minimize erosion. Uh, Supplemental macro and micronutrients are surface applied as dry fertilizer with an airflow applicator. Uh, Corn yields about 200 and soybeans about 70. So anyway, here are his questions. He says, do you see a stratification issue in my soil tests? So it looks like what he did here is he took a few different spots and did a 0 to 4 inch test, a 4 to 8 inch test, and an 8 to 12 inch test. And the nutrients that we get concerned about in terms of stratification are the immobile nutrients. So that would be phosphorus, zinc, copper, and then Also, to some degree, potassium. So his soils are in the range of 10 to 21 for a cation exchange capacity. So that would be medium to heavy soil. Um, If he had, let's say, light soil, then you have less issue with potassium potentially stratifying. But this medium to heavier soil, we are seeing stratification with that potassium where there's roughly two to three times as much potassium in the top four inches 
as there is in the 8 to 12 inch range. And it's pretty much the same thing with phosphorus as well. Just depends on the spot because, yeah, I, got, I see one spot here where there's five times the amount of phosphorus in the 0 to 4 sample as opposed to the 8 to 12 inch sample. So the whole thing is, Doug, when we start talking about nutrient stratification, we're just trying to bring awareness to this, and we always want to try to think logically about the decisions we're making on the farm rather than just saying, well, this is quick, or this is easy, or this is what we've always done. Let's stop and think about it for a little bit, and then also, if you do have what you believe is a good idea, let's try it. Let's prove it out, and let's see if it actually pays. So all we're getting at is, like, here's one spot where there's literally 10 parts per million of phosphorus, 10, in the 8 to 12 inch range. There's 53 in the 0 to 4. So even the 0 to 4, I would say 53 on a Malik 3 test, that's not that much. It, it's not bad, but it's not that much. But anyway, the whole thing is we just have to ask ourselves, all right, if we're going to be putting on a nutrient like phosphorus, if we had a better way to do it and we could get some a little bit deeper down on the ground, if let's say you've got your top six inches built up quite well, would that be something that's advantageous? So that's kind of what we've done on our farm with strip till and placing fertilizer deep, and it's worked out good. Same type of thing with even potassium in this case and zinc. So you, you just want to look at these nutrients and, and think about that a little bit. And then you could certainly inject that sow manure just a little bit deeper in the future because your top six inches is built up fairly well. Okay, uh, let's see. Oh, here, here's the next one. He says, my 2020 DTPA manganese test showed five parts per million. So I put on 70 pounds per acre of manganese sulfate. Well, now my Malik 3 tests show lots of manganese throughout the profile. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know that that's really a question, but yes, that we talk about this quite often on the show, and I think we just talked about it yesterday. With manganese, we like the Malik 3 test because it, it gives us more of a true reading of what's actually in the soil. Now, it may or may not be available depending on pH and a bunch of other things, but we'd like to know what's truly there so we don't go spending a whole bunch of money on manganese sulfate. So when I look at your manganese tests, um, yeah, they're pretty good. Now, you do have a couple spots down deep where it's a little on the low side, but yeah, you're not doing too bad. Okay, and then uh, he says, my 2020 test also showed boron at 0.2 parts per million, so I've applied 40 pounds per acre of granular boron and increased the levels to 0.7 parts per million. Can I safely apply another 40 pounds of granular boron? I don't know what percent active that is for your boron, so I can't say to that, I can't speak to that specifically. But one fairly decent measure of safety is when you start looking at calcium. Just divide it by a thousand. So like on average, you got 2000 parts per million of calcium. You divide that by a thousand. That would mean two parts per million. You're pretty safe to get up to, which would be roughly four pounds of boron on a per acre basis. So I mean, be careful with boron. It can be a little bit toxic if you get too much. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Post-harvest herbicide applications in the fall can spread the workload and achieve efficacy comparable to spring herbicide applications alone. Fall treatments with Burnmaster or Weedmaster provide good control of mare's tail. And adding Panther SC to your spray tank enhances efficacy and controls spring germinating troublemakers like pigweeds and lamb's quarters. Get a jump on spring with New Farm's Harvest to Canopy Herbicide Portfolio. Go to newfarm.com forward slash US crop to learn more. 
Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. What does it feel like to get all for none? How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts? We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio here on a Farmer Friday. I'm Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio. If you've got any questions for us, you can certainly give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email radio at agphd.com. So first on the show today, we got our friend Tony Wendler calling in. He's with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, how are things going in your area today? I've got a perfect day going today, Brian. The, uh, it, the weather's not cold. It's actually it turns out it's actually kind of nice in the office, and uh, <laughs> life is good. I find it's always pretty nice in the office, but you know, uh, I, <laughs> I used to have to I, do. I, I talk with. Go ahead. I, I talk with I talk with farmers from down south, and they say, uh, you know, your winters up there are uh, terrible. And I says, it turns out it's usually about sixty-eight, seventy degrees in my house and my office all the time. So I just try to coordinate and not have a lot to do outside. When I was growing up, I had to do hog chores every morning and every night, seven days a week. And so I was very happy to uh, get some more work as I got a little older inside rather than being outside in, in all our weather that we have here. So, Tony, I got a question for you. Speaking about that weather um, we we talk to you quite often about grain bins because there's just so much at stake for farmers. When I think about like the grain in our bins and how many dollars that's worth right now, I don't want to lose any of that. So now that the temperature is getting colder, do you have any quick suggestions that you, that you would give farmers out there? Well, the two modes of thought on, on grain. Uh, the one is that we're going to, uh, here in our climate, uh, we're going to uh, secure it in the uh, mid-30s for temperature. And and basically, if you're further south, you've got warmer temperatures, you want to keep it within 10 degrees of your average temperature. And the one philosophy is don't freeze it. So that's what I'll talk about first, that uh, we're going to get it down that uh, uh, close to 10 degrees of what the average temperature is, and or here in the north in the mid-30s. Um, so you get the whole core of the bend of that temperature once a month 
You need to run fans for two to four hours. When the temperature is at the uh, approximation of where you stored your your grain at, so here again, you know, 34 to 37. Uh, further south, you might be using a little bit warmer temperatures. The uh, what that's going to do is as the wind blows across the roof of the bin and, and creates a chimney effect and sucks in air and maybe makes the bottom cooler, or you've got the sides cooling off. Uh, and uh, so air dropping along the sides and rising in the middle. Uh, we're going to break up those convections. And one of the things that uh, a lot of people uh, see, but they don't realize what's going on, uh, in the winter we'll see rotting on the typically the northwest skin where the winds blow, super chill that steel. And uh, because that grain is so cold, moisture moves to it, condenses on the steel and the grain at the edge. And in the spring, when you warm it up, it rots. Uh, if we're doing that uh, fan once a month, we're going to break up that convection, and we're going to move some air to the outside skin and warm it back up, and uh, we'll eliminate those issues. The, uh, other, the other trans thought is some guys freeze. And if you're, uh, if you're in a climate and you freeze corn, I don't suggest you freeze beans, but if you freeze corn... We're getting close to that time where uh, you're going to want to freeze it at whatever temperature you uh, decide is appropriate. And I still think that once a month you should go in and uh, when the fans at that temperature or the te- temperature, outside temperatures at that, run your fans for about four hours to break up any convections you're generating there too. Real quick, how important is it to level off grain bins? A lot of people get busy in the fall and they forget all about it. How, how big a deal is that? It's a really big deal. The uh, If you've got a pile, the air is going to go to the path of least resistance, which will be at the edges. And in order to ventilate that peak, it takes a lot of extra fan power to slowly work its way up the uh, the pile. And then the reverse, if you coned your bin out, the air is going to flow to the center and not do the edges. And uh, coning a bin out actually loosens that grain in the center and makes it really easy for air to move up through the center. And if you've ever gone in like a corn bin after you've uh, uh, cored it out and have a uh, uh, a cone going down in, uh, you'll see the bees' wings floating in there. Yep. That's how much air is coming up through the center. And so you've really disturbed your ventilation capabilities. Uh, so leveling and, hey, the secret to this for everyone out there, especially you guys down the south, is get a snow rake up here in the north. We know what those are, but, uh, if you're moving grain, a snow rake, uh, and you can get aluminum one on Amazon for about 40 bucks. Uh, you can move a lot of corn fast and it's with your hips. Uh, the, uh, I try to get somebody else to do it, but I did a, <laughs> a bin a while back and, uh, it took me an hour to uh, move about a foot of corn from one side of the bin to the other. Because my spreader wasn't working quite quite right. Well, hey, it's a great and exercise. Never, it's a great exercise program, though, Tony. <laughs> it, it, it is, and and uh, my my perfect story is some years back I had this college girl that would come out and I'd uh, pay her to go on a level, and she looked at her, her exercise program. She'd work a couple hours every yep. night. Yep, there you go. And I just I thought it was a perfect plan. <laughs> it worked out great for me. All right, we've been talking with Tony Wendler. He's with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, always great stuff. Thanks for being on the show. 
Hey, good talking to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right, we're going out to the state of Ohio next. Got Fred on with us. Hey, Fred, how are you doing today? Doing okay. Doing okay. How about yourself? Excellent. So what uh, what are you working on right now on your farm? Yeah, so we're just kind of looking through some of the projects that we had uh, over the year uh, just with some of the cover crops, some of the, uh, some of the new products we were trying out, like some of the biological or natural stuff. Um, and reviewing a lot of that in one of the most exciting times of the year is getting ready for the next year. Definitely. We're we're doing a lot of that right now and just trying to see what things we want to play around with, some things that we want to restructure and, uh, and go from there. So if you, if you, yeah, if you don't mind, I'd like to hear what's your best and what's your worst. I mean, what's the one thing where you go, Ooh, we got to do that again. And what's the thing where you go, Nope, we're done with that. Uh, the best thing for us this past year um, was just being able to have the capability of coming in later on with nitrogen with uh, with the drone, and uh, we we were able to reduce some of our nitrogen by about um, you know on the field that we chose to do it. Typically, we put about uh, 180 pounds of total N out there, and we did about 160. Um, so we reduced it by 20 pounds and we spoon fed it three different times with the drone. So that was pretty cool. I don't know if that's something on a large scale that we're going to be able to do yeah. just because of time, yep. but it's definitely showing with our lighter CEC soils that we are definitely gaining some benefit by stretching, uh, stretching that out a little bit. Interesting. That's probably going to be our one thing. The worst thing we did is, uh, we didn't apply the last round on the other couple fields and that oh. was just a train wreck. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's probably our biggest thing that we learned is just if you're going to do something changing around on your nitrogen program, you better stick with it because if not, it's you're gonna you're gonna suffer. You mentioned cover crops. Anything you learned there this year? Yeah. Um, so we we have a lot of highly rotable land um, mm-hmm. here in eastern Ohio, and um, and so we've we kind of try to do that as much as we can. Um, just because of the sloping and erosion issues, but we've always done a lot of rye after beans. Um, this year we decided to do a lot since we had the drone, we did a lot with, uh, cover crops over top of standing corn and beans. Um, so that kind of allowed us to, so long our, our chemistry wasn't in, uh, conflict. That's the one thing that we really noticed is, Hey, if you're using a group 15 on beans, if you applied it late, you got to really watch what cover crops you're using in the fall and how early you can actually get out there. So, um, we did a lot of uh, different mixes in corn that we otherwise wouldn't be able to do because typically we don't get anything out on corn because it's harvested late. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so we were able to put uh, some crimson clover, radish, and uh, some rye out um, right around the back black layer time. So that, that, uh, that's been looking pretty good. Yeah, interesting stuff, Fred. It sounds like uh, you're you're really getting into that whole drone thing. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Again, we're talking with Fred from Mountain Ohio. Thanks for calling in today. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. 
Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Now is the time to head into your local CNB. Find out about the great deals CNB has to offer on new and used John Deere equipment. Stop into your local CNB and visit with their team of experts or shop online at DeerEquipment.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. It's Farmer Friday here on Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio. You can call into the show if you would like, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Brian did. He is calling from up in Manitoba. How are things up, up in the great white north there today, Brian? Are they white up there getting some snow? Yeah, we actually uh, we got some snow a little while back. Uh, had some warmer temperatures. They're actually... Uh, melted quite a few spots there's some black spots showing in the fields again but uh there is uh, a little bit of white so how did everything turn out on your farm this year crop production wise were you guys dry uh yeah we were kind of uh we started off super super wet then it, it looked pretty dicey this spring yep and it was uh it, it was late uh it was a mad rush to get the crop in but uh we had decent weather afterwards uh we were Probably the corn, corn especially, was almost uh, caught up at one point, and then it uh, July and August, or mostly August, kind of slowed it down. We were a little bit drier, um, but I guess we had a couple timely rains, and our crop yields probably averaged 
anywhere from average to above average this year, surprisingly. Nice. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing that a lot of farmers in North Dakota dealt with, where it was exceptionally wet in the spring, and then it dried out. <laughs> so you needed those couple of timely yeah. rains to get that good crop. So as as we look into 2023, what are you thinking about for changes on your farm? Anything that you're going to do new and different? You go into more acres of one crop or another? Yeah, we're not, uh, we usually try not to uh, swing acres too much. Uh, we're fairly strict on the rotation here, so there's not a huge amount of changes next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, but uh, I know some guys uh, around here, I hear, going to be a little bit more cautious on the canola because of a disease. Uh, this year we had a verticillium wilt in there, which uh, knocked some some yield off of uh, a lot of people's top ends. Uh, so that was kind of disappointing. So I think people are going to be a little bit more cautious on canola going forward and uh, maybe wheat as well. Uh, economically, I could see a bunch of people switching to corn, but... Uh, so a lot of people ask us about that. They're like, okay, we sometimes struggle here in the United States raising corn. You're a long ways north. Are you able to find good corn varieties that do well in your area? Yeah, I would say it's, uh, we have some decent varieties here. Like uh, some of the varieties like that push our our later season uh, would be pushing, uh, well, for southern Manitoba, anywhere from 80 to 85 days. That would be the the biggest uh, or the latest push here, and some of those varieties actually have been grown in North Dakota for for a long time as well, and they seem to be pretty solid varieties. So here we can we have seen corn up to two hundred bushels this year, even nice on good stuff. So okay, so other it is, it is possible if the weather cooperates. <laughs> well, you talk about the weather cooperating, and you have to have enough heat units. But let's assume you get enough heat units. What else do you have for a big challenge in terms of raising corn up in your area? Yeah, I would say the biggest challenge is probably just that uh, getting enough heat units. Uh, we have to get the corn in as early as possible, yet uh, not too early to get uh, cold chill and, and issues with uh, plant stands and, and uneven stands because of the cold soils. And then also, you know, late season, uh, it's always nice to finish before the snow flies, but... Uh, that's of course doesn't always happen. Now you raise some dry beans on on your farm too, right? Some edibles. Yes, we do. So how how did that turn out this year? I mean, it, I, I, that that market was pretty decent this year, price wise, just like soybeans were, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I think uh, when it comes to edible beans and corn, I don't think everyone was expecting quite a quite the yields that we had, mm-hmm. especially looking back earlier in May and June, but. Uh, We've had probably biggest crops of edible beans. Uh, they they dried off a little bit in, in July and August once again. Um, another inch or two then at the right time would have been insane. But yeah, you can <laughs> yep. kind of tell how the, yield, the yields are bigger than anyone thought. As uh, harvest got started, there was some decent prices and those uh, backed off pretty quickly. Yeah, we ended up, it's kind of the same story down here like with our soybeans. I mean, our yields were really good, but we were we were quite dry. If we just would have had that extra inch or two of rain, 
I mean, it would have been phenomenal, but I guess that's kind of the way it goes. I mean, you're never going to have perfect situation, and if everybody had that rain, maybe the price wouldn't have been quite as good at harvest time either. So, well, hey, Brian, uh, it's been been great talking to you today. Uh, Thanks a lot for calling in and want to wish you the best of luck up there. And uh, I know uh, we got a month to go yet, but I wish you Happy New Year right now in case we don't talk to you before, uh, before we get into 2023. Yes, you as well. Thank you. You bet. Thanks. All right, got Bruce calling in next from over in Minnesota. Got questions about bin fan controls. Bruce, uh, what are you thinking on this bin fan control thing? Well, I heard somebody on there just a few minutes ago telling us about how it sort of works. But anyway, I have a 10,000 bushel bin with a floor and a 10 horse fan on it, and I do dry beans. We usually start about 16, and that works. But I'm sure it would work better with some controls. And now and then the beans will get too dry and we need to rehydrate. I'd rather dry them down to the point I want to be, but occasionally the <laughs> weather doesn't work that way for me. I, I, I feel exactly the same way you do. I say the same thing on our own farm. Occasionally it has to go the other way, but I'd much rather take the wet beans in. We have less loss, less cracking, all that kind of stuff. So, so, yeah. so yeah, with the bin fan controls... We've used either two or three different brands now over the years, and I, I, where it all started for me was kind of exactly where you're at, where we brought in 16% moisture beans, and I tried to do it manually, and I, I mean, you're probably a lot better at it than me, but I was bad. <laughs> I was bad. I, I could never seem to time it just right, and I'd always show up late to turn the fan on or off or whatever, and it just didn't work out very well, and so we got these bin fan controls. And there was nothing to it. And I remember, I think it was just, it was a couple years ago where most of our beans we harvested at 16 and 17%. And a lot of guys were waiting and waiting for stuff to dry down. And we were all done by that point. And within three weeks, we were at 13% moisture. It was amazing. So yeah, these systems don't cost that much money. It seems like they keep coming down in price just about every year. Uh, there are you, you can monitor the stuff from your smartphone if you want. Um, you can set things to, to run automatically and so it's it, it's it's really nice okay that brings me to the other question yep um, there are some systems that I've talked to my bin people about okay and it's um, cables and all sorts of yep electronics yep. and algorithms and you have to have a subscription and all this good stuff yep and it costs about 3000 well, I should say it costs about three times as much as the simpler system yep. is the money well spent. Um, so here again, we have done both. For In terms of is the money well spent, it kind of really depends on you. So I'll tell you my situation. It's I'm unbelievably busy. I got a million things going on and I I do a poor job of some of these things like I was describing earlier. So for me, it's worth it because then it's as simple as, oh, I just set this thing and and I can kind of walk away. On the other hand, like for you, if you would have time, I mean, because even with your smartphone, you can control stuff and you could literally set things up. So maybe you could get an alert for humidity or temperature, whatever. You could just keep monitoring it and you could shut it on and off manually from your phone. So you don't physically have to be at the bin. 
Uh, so that might be a better way to go for you. It, it, it really just depends. As I've run the math on these things, though, because, yeah, you talk about cables, electronics, subscription. And then besides that, the other factor is for us with some of our bins, we had to put more vents on the top. And I didn't really realize that at first, but they're like, yeah, you don't have enough vents on some of your bins. And so we had to add that, too. But I just look at the value of the grain and how much it costs because I, I run the numbers and I'm like, boy, if I have to, if I haul beans in at 10% moisture versus 13, that costs me a pile of money. And nobody ever notices it. It's like this hidden profit loss. So to me, that was a big deal. It was enough to pay for all that stuff, including any kind of subscription. Yeah, when you're combining and the beans start hitting the windshield, you figure you should have done something different. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. We've been there and a lot worse places than that too, Bruce. Hey, uh, Bruce, thanks a lot for the call. Hopefully we answered your questions there. Appreciate it. Thanks for the information. You bet. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back here on Farmer Friday. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. In his last will and testament, Robert has bequeathed to his only heir and devoted caretaker one-third of his house, a third of his rock, and a third of his beloved dog, Mr. Bo here. Uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm a little confused. Don't settle for a fraction of what you deserve, especially at harvest. Yield your best with Veltima fungicide's proven plant health benefits and revolutionary application flexibility. One-third of a dog. Right. Get everything you deserve with Veltima fungicide. From BASF, always read and follow label directions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop, it's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Commodity Classic has everything you need to take your farming operation to the next level. Nationally known thought leaders, a huge trade show with the latest ag innovations, 
outstanding education that will help you prepare for the next generation of farming and networking with thousands of farmers from across the nation and beyond. Join us in Orlando March 9th through 11th, 2023. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio today on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Russell on with us next. He's from over in West Virginia. Hi, Russell. How are you today? Doing well, Brian. How about you? Excellent. So what's happening on your farm right now? Oh, getting ready to pull a, pull a stuck uh, truck out of a field. Got a dump truck hung up. Uh, what what uh, what kind of work is going on out in your fields right now? Uh, uh, corn harvest. Uh, oh, you're still working yeah. on corn. We're. Oh yeah, yeah. There, we had a hard time getting the corn to uh, dry down this year. Uh, whenever we normally started, it was still at like thirty percent. Yep. Moisture. Uh, not real sure why it took so so long to dry down this year, but we've still got about about two hundred and fifty acres to two of them do yet. How how's the yield? Uh, yields better than average. Um, I would say since, since last year, we're up about, uh, tw- 20 bushels of the acre. Nice. What do you attribute yeah. that to? Um, this year we, uh, we had tried some, uh, um, um, early applied, um, fungicide at a B5. Yeah. Uh, we hit with a uh, six ounces of, um, Miravus Neo. Sure. Um, I don't know if maybe, maybe that's what's what's raised the yields uh could just been the weather this year i don't know so when, when you're talking about the weather just a little bit is it common for you at this time of the year with corn harvest still going on for it to be wet to the point where a truck ends up getting stuck out in the field do you have this happen quite often yeah 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 west virginia gets pretty pretty wet in this time of year yeah, it's no fun getting stuck out there. It's happened to us enough times, uh, so be be careful, be be safe. Uh, but uh, yeah. it, it, so is I assume that's the last crop you've got left out in the field is this corn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the beans all finished about a month ago. Um, good. They ended up being pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I've been asking everybody today, anything new and different you're thinking going into 2023 on your farm? Uh, we've been thinking about trying some of the um, um, uh, uh, Pivot Bioproven 40. Uh, mm-hmm. Still on the fence about that. Mm-hmm. So are you tr- – Are you inter- what makes you interested in trying that? Do you think that uh, you, you can get by with less total nitrogen applied? Is it a money-saving thing? I mean, what, what is it what, – what's the trigger uh, for you? Uh, probably you know, being able to cut our uh, uh, fertilizer rates back a little bit. And then uh, this year, in, in, in instead, of, um, com- instead of composite soil sampling, uh, we're having our uh, – um, um, we're having a company come in and do some uh, uh, zone sampling for us. Yeah, good. We're going to look into maybe getting into a variable rate fertilizer. Yep. Yeah, that's been a big deal for us on our farm. 
uh, which is, and I mean, maybe, maybe you do a better job than we do, but, but we just had a tremendous amount of variability in the fields and we still end up finding that. So, you know, if, if the yields are up and down, then most likely that means the, the fertility levels are up and down too. So yeah, it saved us a bunch of money. And then it's also helped us put the fertilizer in the right spots rather than in the wrong spots and things like that. So, I mean, is there anything, I mean, besides nitrogen, so you bring up the nitrogen topic, is there anything else, like any other nutrient in particular on your farm where you say, boy, I I think we probably need to do more with that or something different with that? Um, I think we could probably stand to get our uh, our potassium up a little bit. The uh, base saturation is usually around two to three, like see it up above four. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a really big deal for us. We were just talking about that on the show a little bit yesterday. That I mean, there there are certainly some people out there that say, oh, base saturation is not that important. But I got thousands and thousands of data points on our farm because we compare yield to soil tests, and we've done this for years now. When, I mean, my chart is, it's plain as day where it's like, hey, I have more potassium, I have more yield. So that's that 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 that's been helpful. So more of our fertilizer dollars, it seems like, goes that way all the time. So any, anything yeah. else going on, Russ? Anything else you're thinking about as we go into 2023 here pretty soon? Uh, nothing that really stands out that'll be any different. Um, hey, I was going to ask you too because I know you called in back last summer with slugs in your beans. Did you get that all resolved? What ended up what ended up happening yeah. with that? Yeah, uh, we ended up uh, uh, going back and um, disking the uh, whole. 45 acres and uh re- replanting it uh they ended up yielding about 15 bushel to the acre less than what our other beans were and they were planted about a about a month later than what everything else was sure sure well yeah that's too bad i, I mean that's an issue we just yeah. don't have to deal with here as slugs we don't have that much moisture but uh but yeah we certainly feel for you on yeah. that hopefully it doesn't happen again yeah that's that's the first time we've ever ever had a slug issue in beans um well fortunately it was only 45 acres so yeah 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 uh i'm i'm another guy in uh, um harrisonburg that replanted the same 90 acres three times from slug damage oh wow yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not good that's not good we don't wish that upon anybody yeah all right. Well, hey, Russ, uh, been great talking to you today. Best of luck to you out there. Hope you get that truck out of the field pretty soon and uh, hope par- hope Corn Harvest finishes up well for you. All righty. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. All right. We're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag here. Um, had, a, had a question come in from Pennsylvania. Sorry, I don't have a name on this, but we were talking about drying grain a little bit. Uh, and this one says, I've heard you talking about having two separate grain dryers. What's the theory behind two instead of one large one? Okay, so yeah, on our farm, we have had two continuous flow grain dryers for uh, 20 plus years. And the whole reason is we started with one and it was really no big deal to add a second one. It was a lot less expensive than to just get rid of the first one and buy something bigger. And the other thing, my theory was always, and why I liked it, is just because if one dryer went down, I still had a second dryer. And yeah, it was my job to run those dryers. Actually, we've had two for more than 20 years because, I mean, it's been almost 25 years now where that was my job on the farm. Uh, so 
anyway, I, I, I got plenty of experience drying grain, I can tell you that. Uh, bringing my brother Darren on here today. Hey, Darren, um, you were doing some meetings the last few days in, let's see, so you've been in Washington, Idaho, North Dakota. What's the biggest question or two that farmers have had for you? Well, a lot of areas are dry around the country. You look at the drought monitor, most of the country is pretty dry. So a lot of questions around how to tweak the program a little bit to have it work better and dry. For example, with weed control, a lot of guys had really good success getting pre-emerge herbicides out there very early. Uh, guys that were doing fall programs where they had some winter annual weeds were super happy with those the last few years. And so a lot of the guys said if they ever had a skip, if they ever had a spot where they missed with the sprayer, man, did they lose yield in the dry, even worse than they normally would. So I think that was one, just how do we be perfect on weed control because we can't afford to lose any moisture or lose any of the nutrients that those weeds would take up. So that's probably the number one. Number two has been input prices are high. How do I manage that and supply issues, those kinds of things too. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we focus too much on what the cost is rather than what the return is. Because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm writing the checks on our farm too, and I know this stuff costs money. But if it'll make me money, I do feel a lot better. So, yeah, Darren and I yesterday were just talking about rent cost and I mean just all these different costs and it's like okay I mean let's not go too overboard saying well we're not going to rent that ground anymore well we're not going to spend this money on this thing anymore because it costs a lot if we're still making money at the end of the day that's the key thing and I'm not saying everybody is I'm simply saying we need to make sure we analyze the end game rather than just looking at that cost up front uh, so, Darren, we'll get to. Uh, I'm going to have you back on right after the the break here because we got a bunch more questions that have been coming in in the Ag PhD mailbag, including the next one I want to talk about from Michael in Missouri. He's wondering how to control little barley and cheatgrass in winter wheat. We'll talk about that right after this on Ag PhD Radio. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast. So when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. What does it feel like to get all for none? 
How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts. We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio and we are answering your questions here in the Ag PhD mailbag. Right before the break, I said we were going to get to a question from Michael from Missouri. He's asking, how do I control little barley and cheatgrass in winter wheat? All right, so if you're not familiar with little barley, that is a winter annual wheat. There are other things like, let's say you had volunteer barley, or, or maybe foxtail barley is another one that, like in our area, even here in South Dakota, we got some people fighting foxtail barley. Well, foxtail barley is a summer annual weed. So a little bit different than what we're dealing with here with little barley. And cheatgrass, as I'm sure you know, that is also a winter annual weed. Most people will say downy brome rather than cheatgrass. But anyway, how do we kill these winter annuals in winter wheat? So think about how difficult this question actually is because we're trying to kill a grass in a grass crop. Not the easiest thing. And also when stuff comes up in the fall, you can't wait and say, well, I'll hit it in the spring if I see anything in the spring. Eh, it's probably not going to work very well. So our suggestion is to go out there in the fall and the number one thing that we would recommend would be using either Anthem Flex or Zidua. That's going to get you off to a nice start. And that is labeled on Little Barley. Now, as far as cheatgrass, it'll give you the Zidua or Anthem Flex. All that's going to do is give you suppression there. So what I would probably suggest is start with Anthem Flex or Zidua, follow later with Power Flex. Because PowerFlex will do a, a, a better job on the cheatgrass, 
PowerFlex isn't going to help you out a whole lot on the little barley, but I mean, there, there's nothing out there that I know of that's fantastic on both little barley and cheatgrass, unless, Darren, you know of anything else. Well, the only thing that's fantastic on both is Roundup in a burn down. <laughs> Excellent so point. You get them, yep. If you get them up before your wheat crop is up, then you're in great shape. You can smoke them both with Roundup, at least the ones that have emerged. Yep. All right. Got a question from John. He often calls or writes into the show. He's from out in Maryland. And he's asking about corn stover harvest. He says, what are the pros and cons of corn stover harvest? Darren, you want to take that one? Well, there's a lot of them. And on the pro side, if you've got a ton of corn residue out there, it's very high in carbon, very low in nitrogen. So all the soil microbes are going to try and break that down. And they're going to need nitrogen to be able to make that conversion. So to break down the stalks, they're going to tie up the nitrogen that your crop needs. So you've either got to put on extra nitrogen if you leave those stalks out there, or you could harvest some of the stalks. You don't have to take them all. You can still leave some out there to protect the soil. They could get some of them out of the way at least to kind of minimize that. So another pro would be you can feed that to livestock. So that would be a good thing too. Uh, Also, the soil is going to warm up faster if you don't have as much residue out there. So lots of good things about soil or about harvesting that residue. Of course, the negatives are taking away that carbon, you're taking away those nutrients that are in the stock, and now you've got to replace that or you're going to start depleting organic matter out in your soil as well. Okay, and then he goes on to ask how does this, how do the pros and cons differ in different geographic locations? They don't necessarily differ, it's just the degree to which they are important or unimportant could possibly change depending on your soil type, your rotation, the amount of bacteria you have, the amount of heat you have, just so many of those things. Well, anyway, his next question here is how can our organic matter be increased while removing the stover? Can we use or should we use cover crops? How about slope or frozen ground um, with the stover removed? Will the corn roots be enough to build organic matter? So talk about organic matter just a little bit, Darren, with regard or a little bit more with regard to this corn stover harvest. Okay, first of all, organic matter and organic material are two different things. So if you're talking about, hey, I'm going to harvest corn silage and I'm going to take almost all of the residue above ground away, but I'm going to leave the root mass intact and I'm not going to do tillage. You aren't going to see near the reduction in organic matter in that type of system. And in fact, if you're putting manure out in that field, leaving the root system intact, putting manure out and growing a cover crop, I would suggest you could increase your organic matter percentage, especially in an area like where John farms, you've got a little longer growing season there. So you got a lot more season that you could be growing that cover crop out there or something else and just by reducing tillage you could still grow your organic matter percentage here's the impossible question what is your estimation of the dollar value of a ton of stover baled in the field today at 15 percent moisture or less if you were to sell it and why is well anyway what's the value the only way to know is to take a sample of that, send it into the lab, and have them tell you what the nutrient value is. Now, in terms of the value of leaving stover in the field for protecting the soil, for the small amount of that above-ground material that will result in organic matter, that's hard to know. But in many cases, if 
we'll trade the silver out if we can get the manure back from the livestock that it gets fed to. So you can offset it that way too, but just take a sample of the silver and send it in. That's the best way to know because it really does vary. Okay, here's our next question. This one's from Jordan. He says, I saw that, well, anyway, he says, I'm sending you my soil tests. Can you guys give me a couple of tips on what I might do? He says, first thing, I can get beet lime in my area and am applying that at recommended rates to uh, help keep my pH up. I have two different farms here below in his email that I'm sending you. Planting corn on this farm in spring of 2023, soybean crop in 2022 was 42 bushel average. Uh, so Darren, let me first say a lot of his cation exchange capacities are five. Five. Okay. Okay. So comment on that. And also his pH, by the way, is all in the sixes or sevens. So there's no need for lime. Okay. Yeah. When we think about a five CEC, that's pretty light sandy soil, generally pretty low organic matter. So it's going to be much different to manage than heavy, heavy soil that has a lot of clay, a lot of organic matter. So that's one big difference that we're going to see. When we look at that beet lime, you may be getting a lot more than just the effect of the lime out of that and the effect of the calcium. A lot of times beet lime has quite a bit of phosphorus in it and other nutrients. So make sure you're getting a complete analysis of anything you apply to your field. Okay. Uh, So anyway, unfortunately, Jordan, as I take a look at your soil tests, uh, I, I'm, there's not a lot here where I say you don't have to apply something other than you don't need any lime right now. But phosphorus, single digit parts per million. Potassium, a lot of this is 50 parts per million and 1 or 2% base saturation K, so it's really, really, really low. Uh, the boron and sulfur, we're going to expect those things are going to be low because it's sandy soil. So you're going to constantly have to put out nitrogen, boron, and sulfur. So we already knew that those were going to be low. But the micronutrients that will stay there in the soil, like copper and zinc, just like phosphorus, even in those light soils, they're going to stay there. Well, your zinc levels are at one part per million or just over. Your copper levels are at one part per million. So I would be working on building those as well. So you got to work on almost all the nutrients. I'm going to put more of my dollars to P and K for sure, but I might put just a little bit of some of these micros out there too because just about everything is low, unfortunately. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to come up with something here, Darren, where... We just don't have enough time to get into some of these other some of these other ones are, are pretty long questions here. So let's finish up the show, Darren. We got about a minute left for, for your comments. I just wanted to hear about anything else that farmers have been talking to you about here over the last week as you've been traveling throughout the country. Well, one thing that's kinda of interesting too, Brian, and you can add to this topic is potential herbicide carryover. And I don't wanna scare anybody, but if you're in an area that just got nothing for rainfall and there are some guys that we talked to that got nothing. Look back at the herbicides that you used and when you applied them and at what rates they got applied because some products may last a little bit longer in the soil than what their labeled rotational restriction is when you just don't get rain. Because it's important to think about you're going to need microbes, you're going to need heat, but you're also going to need some water to break down these pesticides in your soil. Absolutely. We do get concerned as we come out of dry years with herbicide carryover. So we think about products like, even I mean, that wouldn't normally be that big a concern, but even like Stinger, 
uh, or the HPPDs that we may have used in corn or Flexstar coming out of soybeans. I mean, there are a number of wheat products as well. So yeah, just be paying attention to rotational restrictions and be really careful if you've been very dry in your area. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to my sister Janelle. She was producing the show and running the controls today. Thanks to everybody who called in and everybody who wrote in with questions. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.